0: This is Hank Rubichek, and welcome to The Story Voice, where we spotlight storytellers who tell stories for the same reason they eat and sleep, because they have to. You know, The Story Voice is produced in Houston, and like so many other cities, we have no shortage of famous folks who were born here. Beyonce, Lyle Lovett, Billy Gibbons, Shelley Duvall, Patrick Swayze, the Quade Brothers, Kenny Rogers, Renee Zellweger, and the list goes on. Each legend has a fan base and a plethora of testimonials to accompany them. But only a few of us have ever really had the good fortune of meeting that megastar. And even if we did, I wonder if we'd know the reason for our star struckiness. It's a word I just made up. But today we're gonna hear a special story served up by a person who could well be your neighbor. In fact, she's mine self-employed Houston-based technical writing, Gail Bergen, who will reveal the circumstances that led to her meeting who she admired most, a Houston artistic legend and one of the most celebrated prima ballerinas in the world. It's kind of funny, um, you know, Gail, in the sense that uh, you we've all heard the adage, the gift that keeps on giving, and this is really the story that keeps on giving. And you sent this story to my wife, who is a flutist for the Houston Ballet Orchestra. And the, uh, the chances of both of you being at the same event at the same time, witnessing the same thing is pretty bizarre in and of itself. So this story is really a story that keeps on giving. It's evolved into something I think remarkably dynamic. Gail, you wrote this story a few months ago. And you you entitle it, Sometimes Our Heroines Wear Pointed Shoes. And I love that. I love that. And I'm gonna start reading it before I turn it over to you. The story begins. I moved to Houston in 1988 when I was 30 years old. Suddenly separated from my husband of 10 years and recently graduated with my master's degree in geology. I landed a job in the oil industry that brought me to a city I'd never lived in before. I was on my own literally for the first time in my life in a new city, starting a new job, starting a new life in a city where I didn't know a soul, all quite high on the stress level. Navigating the fourth largest city in the United States on your own can be quite intimidating because I was such a nature lover Someone at work encouraged me to get involved in the Sierra Club. I followed his advice and went on many camping trips over the next few years with them. Now, Gail, you continue your story by transitioning to your passion for cultural events, specifically the internationally renowned Houston Ballet. Take it from there.
1: Okay, thank you, Hank. One of the things I learned to do in Houston during those early years, because I didn't know anyone, was to attend events by myself. For my birthday that very first year, I treated myself by buying a ticket to the Houston Ballet. I had never done anything like this before and it took great courage on my part. I really splurged and bought a great seat, row C in the orchestra, third seat from the center. For those of you who have never been, this is the third row back from the stage, right smack in the middle. It didn't get any better than that. I learned something valuable. When you're buying just one seat, it's easy to get a great seat up front. I think it cost me close to $100, which was a huge amount of money for me at the time. But I was so close, I remember being able to see the creases in the dancer's makeup. I had never seen a ballet in person before, and I was mesmerized. It was the most beautiful performance I had ever seen. Not only that, but seeing the Wortham Theater in person, which was quite new at the time and truly magnificent on the inside, it took my breath away. I realized too, that once the curtain comes down, watching a performance like the ballet is really a singular experience. It doesn't matter if you're there alone or with someone else, you experience it alone. You can't talk during the performance. It's way more frowned upon than talking during a movie. So it's up to you to interpret what's going on up on the stage, to follow the story, the acting and the music. It was this experience of going to the Houston Ballet that made me comfortable with aloneness in a crowd. Once I conquered the Houston Ballet, I knew I could do just about anything else by myself. I started going to movies, eating in restaurants, and even attending concerts by myself. I learned this much. If I waited until I had a date to do some of these things, well, that time may never come, and opportunities would pass me by, so I just better get over it. For the next eight years, I patronized the Houston Ballet. First, I attended individual ballets as my budget allowed. Then eventually I bought season tickets. Wow, what a luxury. I became particularly enamored with one ballerina, Prima Ballerina Janie Parker. I started trying to attend her specific performances and bought posters of her stunning poses. I read everything I could find about her. I saved all the playbills that had her profiles in them and newspaper interviews of her. Her duets with Chinese dancer Lee Kunshin would take my breath away. I was developing a bulletin board full of canceled Houston Ballet tickets, which I still have to this day. When I started dating Bill, whom I would eventually marry, I even talked him into attending a few ballets with me. Now this was something that was a huge sacrifice for Bill, having no interest in the ballet whatsoever. This was short-lived as these things go, however. After we got married, I was back to attending solo. You
0: know, I love when you talk about uh, how ballet allowed you to feel comfortable being alone because it's a multi-sensory experience. It's one of the few cultural events that really is. And uh, the idea of, of being mesmerized into oblivion, being so mesmerized by the beauty of that artistry is something that I can understand because before I met Peggy, you know, my flutist uh, ballet orchestra wife, I frankly never even thought I would be able to spell ballet, let alone oh, going to one, but I love, I love it. I really did learn to love it. Gail, you know, attending the ballet alone seemed to heighten your sensitivity about Janie's own artistic challenges. And I think you offer some astonishing insights in the paragraphs to come.
1: That's right. Well, after 20 years of dancing with the Houston Ballet and um, many years previously elsewhere, I believe about 10 years previous to her coming to Houston, uh, Janie Parker decided that the toll that her career had taken on her body was finally too great. In 1996, she was 41 years old, which is quite old for a dancer. She announced her retirement. Her final program would be The Sleeping Beauty, and her final performance would be held on Saturday, June 15th. A few weeks before the final performance date, a big write-up in the Houston Chronicle profiled her career in the upcoming finale. Well, I was determined not only to see one of her final performances, I was gonna be there for the final performance. As soon as the tickets went on sale, I bought mine. Of course, Bill begged off and I waited for the 15th to arrive. To be honest, I don't remember much about the performance other than I, I do remember that it was indeed the Sleeping Beauty. But I remember everything about what happened afterward. At the end of a ballet, the curtain calls are always really nice as the dancers take their bows and the audience shows their appreciation, often with an enthusiastic standing ovation if it is a traditional story ballet. I had a feeling that night might be special because it was Janie's last night. What I saw that night, however, I will never forget. The ballet ended and the usual curtain calls started with the core dancers first taking their bows, then the soloists, then the principal dancers, moving up the hierarchy as they always do. Of course, the audience was on their feet and the place absolutely exploded when Janie came out. You thought you were at a rock concert. The applause was so deafening. Then came the bouquets of flowers. First from Ben Stevenson, the artistic director, then the orchestra conductor, and then just everyone. It was a spectacle I have never seen. Someone in the ballet office had quietly ordered what must have been a truckload of flowers so that everyone could present one to Janie. First people started tossing her flowers on stage from the orchestra pit. Then every single student from the ballet academy all the dancers from that night's performance, all of the stage crew, each member of the orchestra, the entire ballet administration, and even former ballet colleagues all lined up with a single long stemmed rose and handed it to Janie. If I had to guess, I would say two to 300 people crossed the stage that night. At some point, the bundle in her arms became so heavy, it crashed to the wooden floor. And yet still they came. Because she couldn't hold any more flowers, they started laying the flowers at her feet. All the while, the audience was still applauding thunderously. This went on for nearly 30 minutes. We all stood gobsmacked, watching this spectacle unfold clapping wildly and being ever so grateful that we were there to witness it and honor this person. When finally the last person crossed the stage, someone handed Janie a microphone. Amazingly, after all of that, she was still standing and could still speak. Amidst a sea of flowers that now covered the entire dance floor, she took the microphone and started out by saying, I realize it's quite unusual for a ballerina to address audiences in this way. She thanked the Houston audiences for coming back year after year. Thanked the Houston company and her Houston ballet colleagues, some of whom had been with the company as long as she had. Then she read a special tribute, tribute to Ben Stevenson, whom she called the most important person in my life for the past 20 years. It was hard to file out of the Wurtham Theater that night and drive home in a cloud. After something like that, you really don't want the night to end. It was really hard to think about the Houston Ballet without her or to realize we would never see her on stage again. When I finally arrived home, I raced into the house, I raced into the bedroom, I woke Bill up and said, you are not gonna believe what you missed tonight. And I tried to recount and tell him what I saw with enough detail and passion to get the impact of Janie sending off across. I felt certain that the finale was going to be big news in the Houston Chronicle the next day.
0: Well, you know, everyone uh, is a natural storyteller, Gail. I tell our subscribers this all the time and and you know your story is an example of what i mean by this stories come from anywhere any place and everyone listening right now wants you to let us know what your stories are and even if you'd like to be a guest contact us on the story voice facebook page and i promise we're going to get back to you this is hank rubichek and you are enjoying i hope the story voice with my guest teller houston writer gail bergen gail uh you um um, you you are uh, a very big newspaper reader. I want to say that because if any millennials are listening, I want them to know that newspapers <laughs> exist. I just want them to know that. Hey, I made a living delivering those stupid things as a kid. It really exists. I just want everybody to know that there really does exist. Yeah, and I didn't have a remote either growing up. Well, the next day, Sunday, you tore open the paper and you searched for news of the event the night. Before, right? And then what happened?
1: I did. Yes, I did. I I, I understood that with press deadlines, you know, I got home very late, and as I imagine everyone else did. So with press deadlines being what they were, you know, it might have gone too late for a full-fledged article in the paper, but I felt they should have been able to slip at least a photo in there of that amazing spectacle on the stage with Janie standing there surrounded by the sea of flowers. So I looked in the front page section, nothing. I looked in the lifestyle arts section, nothing. Not even a mention. What was on the front page section of the Chronicle was a large photo and article about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls, who were currently in the NBA Finals playing the Seattle Sonics and they were facing a game six. Well, that was deflating but again I thought about deadlines and I thought well surely there will be something in Monday's paper so then Monday's paper came front page section nothing lifestyle art section nothing Tuesday's paper came front page section nothing nothing Lifestyle art section, finally one small zoomed in photo of Janie on the stage, holding the first bouquet she received from Ben Stevenson, her taking a curtsy, a caption of ballerina's farewell and a single sentence underneath it. That was it. I flipped through the rest of the paper and found nothing else. I was stunned. And then I got mad. That very afternoon, I put aside my work and I sat down to write a letter to the Houston Chronicle editors.
0: And uh, what you said, in short, without offering specifics, is that you expressed your disappointment over the weak coverage of an artistic legend who was largely responsible. Replacing Houston, smack in the center of cities, with the virtual tapestry of fine arts excellence—the
1: yeah, type city
0: it. Which could really, which could really envy—and uh, exactly,
1: exactly. Uh, yeah. What what I'd like to summarize about that letter is, is simply that I, I emphasized, you know, this. This was 1996, and just a year earlier, the Houston Rockets had had won their second NBA championship. Right, that was 1995, and mm-hmm. I saw how the Chronicle handled it. They were all over that. They was front page, splashy news, and special sections printed, and player profiles and everything. And then I saw how they handled this. And Janie had been with the Houston Ballet for 20 years. And they, um, they never do you see a sports figure stay with a sports team in a city for that long. Never, it never happens. And I just felt that the, the coverage of, of public figures in a city was so imbalanced in, for this newspaper and I understand that fine arts don't bring in the amount of money into a city that sports do. So I get that, but I just felt like the, the treatment that she got versus the treatment of the sports teams in the city um, was, was so unfair and so imbalanced. And so my parting shot to, to the newspaper was basically, you know, if this had been Hakeem Olajuwon's retirement party, I would be willing to bet that it would have been front page news, and shame on you, Houston Chronicle. Shame on you. Yeah. And and so I wrote that letter. I faxed it off to the Chronicle, and um, got it off my chest and went back to work.
0: Yeah. Well, unfortunately, that uh, that imbalance still exists. It really does. Yes. And, you know, the good news is that it it exists less so in Houston than it does many other cities, and we. we're fortunate because of that but it still exists but then uh and and that gave you a real shot in the arm and you were happy for all of that for the next few hours and then the phone rang all right i want i want to pick it up
1: then then they wrote it basically they printed it they printed it
0: and then and then the phone rang and you picked it up hello this is gail um this is gail bergen yes who is this please Gail, this is Janie Parker. Okay, I love this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it from here and I'm going to get back to you in a minute. I about fell out of my chair. This is not. Yes, this is Janie Parker. Gail, my sisters has just shown me the letter that you wrote to the Chronicle and I just had to call you to thank you so much for such a heartfelt letter to support. I can't tell you what this means to me that a member of the community would do something like this. We've all been scrambling all morning trying to find out who you were. Is she a member of the board, one of our trustees, one of our big donors? Who is this person? And when we wouldn't find your name on any of the lists, we did a search on the internet and your website immediately came up. You've got a small business of your own. You're a technical person of some sort, an editor or writer or something like that. Well, clearly you're a writer. And she laughed. I was just flabbergasted, trying to process that I was talking to Janie herself, that someone in her family had seen my letter in the paper and in this quick reaction, just a few hours later, found my number and called me and here I am speaking to her in person. I try to explain as quickly as I could how I'd followed her career for so many years. And I'd been there the night that she was so mad that she didn't get her due and felt compelled to have my say in that matter. So I wrote the letter, but I never dreamed they would print it. So it was all a big surprise to me. And then came the biggest shocker of all. She said, well, I really want to thank you for this in a special way. I'm getting married this Saturday and I want to invite you to the wedding. And I said, no way. Shockwaves were going through me at this point. And she said, yes, I really wanna do this. I wanna meet you and I feel this is the best way. If you'll give me your address, my sister will come over there with an invitation so you won't feel like a gate crasher. And I really hope that you can make it. Are you married? If so, please bring your husband. It would be an honor to have you both attend. Wow. Gail, what happened next?
1: (laughs) Well, after that, I don't really remember (laughs) the rest of the conversation. My head was just spinning. Uh, After we got off the phone, another series of, I, I, I called my friends, I called my husband, and it was just a series of, oh, my God, and can you believe it? And God, she really is so nice. I, I must have given her my address at, during that conversation, because the next day her sister, Millie Sue, did indeed come by and hand me an invitation, as well as a sweet thank you note from Jamie, uh, both of which I still have in my scrapbook. Uh, Millie Sue said that even though Janie has been on stage for more than 30 years, this wedding will be the performance of her life. Two nights later, Bill and I got dressed in our finest and made our way downtown to the First United Methodist Church to attend the wedding. Of course, the wedding was beautiful and we were also invited to attend the reception, which is where my only hope of meeting Janie in person was. When we arrived at the reception, I was quite surprised to see someone there that I recognized. A woman I had volunteered with in the Sierra Club a few years earlier on a fundraiser we spotted each other and waved and moved together to say hello and how do you know Janie and Dennis well I got a little embarrassed and I was like well I I really don't know them actually and told her the story of how and why we were there and she was quite amazed she invited us to sit with her and her husband at their table and spend the reception together and I was pretty grateful for that because of course we didn't know anybody there. When she realized Janie and I hadn't met yet, she said, come on, I'll introduce you. Apparently they had been old friends for years. So we got up and went, to the, went across to the dance floor to where Janie was talking to a group of people. She touched Janie on the arm and said, Janie, I've got someone here you need to meet. Janie turned around and my friend said, Janie, this is Gail Bergen. Her eyes lit up and she gave me the biggest hug and dragged me over to her sister and mother and new husband and introduced me all around like I was the celebrity. And then, of course, she quoted my line from the from the letter to the editor about Hakeem Olajuwon, and they were laughing and joking about that. So apparently that was the that was the favorite line from the letter and and um, the one that was the the most memorable and and the one that hit home with everybody. So I, I talked with them for a few minutes and thank them again for inviting me to the, to the wedding and, and uh, including me in on that event. Our interactions didn't last too long though, because you know the bride's time at a reception is always at a premium, but she made me feel honored on that day. <clears throat> Once again, it struck me that the grace she showed to a total stranger on a day that was to be her day was extraordinary. True character comes through in times like these. Brides have been conditioned from time immemorial to be totally selfish. This is your day, this is your moment. You can have whatever you want and nothing and no one else matters. That she could step outside that paradigm and honor someone else showed me a depth of character that was so admirable and so humbling And it made me regret not a single moment or a single dime I'd ever spent watching her dance. A little while later, the band fired up and the dancing started, interspersed with all the silly things you see at wedding receptions, throwing of the bride's garter, throwing the bride's bouquet, beating each other cake and all the rest. Bill and I danced a few times, but mostly we enjoyed watching the ballet company let their hair down at a casual event, getting crazy on the dance floor, laughing and drinking and talking and just having a good time. Bill asked me at one point, how do you know which ladies are the dancers? Because of course I recognized them, but he didn't. I replied, just look for the ones who have baseballs where their calves should be. We left early, but I came away with a new definition of class. As I write this 25 years later, I still remember.
0: Well, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, Gail, there are, you know, there, are, there are so many messages in this very beautiful, memorable story. But if there was one lesson that you consider to be a must-have for our listeners, what would that be?
1: I think... Um, yeah this spans a lot of years uh, starting with when I first moved to Houston until this happened and I, I grew a lot during that time but I think the the thing that sticks with me most in this is that if you have an impulse or an instinct to do something either nice for someone or something where you feel something is wrong and needs to be corrected to follow that instinct and and to follow that impulse and you know, what I mean by that is I, I I saw what I felt was something that was unfair, that she was being unfairly treated um, or didn't get her due by the by the local newspaper. I saw an imbalance that, you know, there were two public figures here or two public entities and and one, uh, you know, got a lot of notoriety in the paper. And then there was this other public figure that was just being very perfunctorily treated mm-hmm. in the paper. And, and then there was me and, and in the greater scheme of things, you know, who was I in, in, I, w- I was a spec, I was just an individual in the fourth largest city in Houston and who, you know, who cares what I think, you know, I'm just an individual, what impact can I make, you know, who cares, you know, what my opinion is, but still I felt like I had to have my say and I had no idea whether my uh, letter to the editor would, would even be read at the Chronicle. I had no idea how many of those letters they get on any given day and whether one would even read, read it. But I felt like it was the only thing I knew to do.
0: Yeah, so, it, was, it was generosity of, of time and heart, Gail. And you, you, you asserted yourself very thoughtfully. You said okay. what was right, uh,
1: but but then on the flip side of that, um, then Janie's family read the letter in the newspaper, and and it could have gone two ways. She they could have said, "Oh, isn't that nice? You know, someone wrote a letter on Janie's behalf to the newspaper, and isn't that nice?" And they could have just said, "Okay, that's very nice, but we have a wedding in two days." And, and having been married before, as you have, you know, what it feels like to have a wedding coming up in two days and how crazy busy that time is. And they very easily put it out of their mind. And we've got a ton of things to do and blah, blah, blah. But no, they stopped what they were doing and hunted for my name on donor lists, trustee lists, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And when they didn't find my name there, they went to the internet and they found me there and found my number. And she called me up to personally say thank you. And it could have ended there, but no, she invited me to a private family event to even more personally say thank you. And I have to tell you, even now, it flabbergasted me that she did that. You know, it really absolutely flabbergasted me that she did that. So there again, Janie followed an impulse or an instinct to do something so incredibly nice. For a complete stranger,
0: yeah, that's
1: the takeaway yeah. that I have. Is and, and I
0: think that's beautifully put, very eloquently put. And you know, Gail, something—just kind of go with me here for a moment. It, it's also a process of getting rid of a script. You know, our lives become a script. Oh, yes. I have a wedding coming up; therefore, I must do this. And even though that was a really nice gesture by this virtual stranger, uh, maybe I'll respond to her later. Maybe yeah. I will after I and get back from honeymoon but there was that sense of immediacy. And I, what I really love about her, about her, and I've never met her, but what I know I love about her is that she did have that instinct to move appropriately in a direction that was required. She wanted to be reciprocally generous to you. Uh Uh, my, My guess is, is that that doesn't happen to her very often when a person goes out of her way to really communicate that kind of sentiment. And, you know, Something even more simple, even though it doesn't sound very profound. I, I think the greatest of megastars are the ones who are the greatest human beings and uh-huh. her human spirit uh-huh. obviously surfaces. And, and you've, got to, you've got to love that. We wanna let our subscribers know that if you wanna read the entire story, uh, you can do it on, um, on Gail's blog. She has a short story, nonfiction blog. Tell us the blog. Tell us the blog. It's
1: it's www.galesstory.com and that's G A I L S G A I L S S T O R Y.com. Excellent.
0: Very well worth it. And also, you'll see a very sweet photo of you and Janie Uh, that was taken. Oh, what's it? Yeah. Yeah. Let's just say a little couple years ago, but it was a great photo. I love (laughs) that photo.
1: Just a (laughs) great photo. I still have blonde hair in that photo. Gail, you know,
0: this was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And I wanted to thank you, Gail Bergen, for the kind sentiments that prove that human stories told well, as was this one, stretch the boundaries of the human heart. And thank you to our subscribers for listening to The Story Voice, where we spotlight everyday storytellers who take us on astonishing journeys before returning us safely to the present. This is Hank Rubachek reminding us that although every story may not have a happy ending, it doesn't mean that it's ever too late to live happily ever after. Peace.